Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. of the church, a deep, 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 deep dive in the values of the church, that every member is a minister. That's not just a title that I have, that if you claim to be a follower of Christ, you are upgraded, you have been promoted to a minister of the gospel. That everybody, whether they're two, they're five, 55, 85, 105, you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So congratulations. You got that. Right? But every story matters. The people's story, the life experiences that they've been going through, it matters. That we have fun here at church. That we live a life of fun, of joy. It's a deep-seated default positioning of our lives. And I don't know about you, but I'm a parent, and I had to choose joy this week. Anybody else have to choose joy this week? Choosing joy is sometimes very, very difficult. Um, but it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. So these are some of the values that we've been talking about, that we've been expressing in the past few weeks. Today we're going to talk about how we value the next generation, how we value our kids, how we value our teenagers, and yes, we even value preteens, right? We value them. They are important. This is it's so incredibly impactful on how we live our lives, orchestrate our ministries, orchestrate how we, we do our day-to-day life. And some of you right now are going, well, I don't have kids anymore. They're all grown. Guess what? You're incredibly important to this mission as well. This is not a value you grow out of. It's not a value you grow into. There may be some days in which it's very acute that you need the church to come alongside you and help you. But there's also these days in which you go, I don't know how I fit. I don't know how I, 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 this, Jerry keeps on talking about the value of kids ministry and that's just not me anymore. Whoa, 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 whoa. Even if you don't have kids anymore, I'm pretty sure you can love their parents. And let me tell you, as a parent, stair-step kids, we need help. Right? And if you meet a a mom whose kid just graduated and they're going to college for the first time in this season, they need buff, right? If you meet a mom who's trying to figure out, or a, a, a woman who is getting ready to give birth and she's like, doesn't want to go to the hospital because of the whole coronavirus thing and stuff, you may not have any kids at home, but that young lady needs your love, right? You don't graduate, you don't, oh, I'm done. I'm done with kids ministry. I don't ever have to value kids ever again. No, no, no. Because the way in which our church is structured, because of the way in which I think the kingdom of God is structured, the way in which community is structured, that kids ministry is not something that you ever get out of. It is a staple. It is a value. It is like oxygen to who we are as Christians. We've been talking about this perfect fit, the values of the church, and it's a lot like trying to put together a puzzle piece, right? And maybe you find yourself as a puzzle piece. You find yourself as this, this piece that sometimes it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like you fit in. And you continue to try to place your puzzle piece in the place you think it should go. And it just doesn't work. 
And if you're anything like my son, you get to a certain point and you just go, hey, Fitz! Right? Now, I think I'm Bowen, but I'm pretty sure everybody in the room has gotten to a point where it's like, it's going to go in there. Right? But actually, that piece goes to a totally different piece, and you had to turn it around. Doesn't it make you so frustrated when you've been working with one piece, and you're like, this is my piece. I'm going to get it in there. I'm going to get it in there. And you go to the bathroom, you sit down, and you come back, and you're like, where'd my piece go? It's like, oh. Kendall picked it up, put that one in, and 18 other pieces. Look, she did this whole corner of the whole thing, because you finally put down your piece, and she got to put it where it belongs. I'm not happy with you right now. Right? And we get so kind of this ownership issue of a piece that's actually not our piece. It doesn't matter. The whole point is to put the picture all together, and we have to get over ourselves a little bit to make sure that the whole thing comes together. Building in community of a church is a lot like that. There's some things we really want to do. Like when, I was in, when I was leading student ministry, uh, every kid wanted to be on the worship team. We had a rocking worship team. Like we had, oh man, it was great. It was cool. Um, one of the people who led is releasing their album next week. I'm really, really excited about that. Like it was, uh, we, we had some fun. We got the cops called on us all the time for noise complaints. It was great. Uh, so we just had a blast with that. So every kid, they weren't a real Christian unless they got to be on the worship team. Like people who had no business ever holding a microphone in their entire life, not even in karaoke when no one was around, like the shower probably screams when they sing. Like, no, you don't need to be on the worship team. That doesn't make you a Christian. I'm 100% sure that you can be saved by the blood of Jesus and not sing on stage. Okay? And that's a very hard thing to tell a 16-year-old girl. But it was like on repeat. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're not really any different when we're at different ages. If there's a ministry, I think, if I do that, then I'm a real Christian. If I do that, then, like, Jesus will love me. Then Jesus will forgive me. And, and some weird stuff. Whether you want to admit it or not, like, that's just, I'm going to arrive at this moment. Or maybe I'm not ready for that moment or, or whatever. And really what we're doing is we're taking our piece that's specifically crafted by God and kind of ramming it into a spot and going, yeah, it's got to be here, it's got to be here, it's got to be here. And we've got to be humble enough to take the piece, turn it around, and go, huh, that was a flower. Oh. Right? And sometimes if you're feeling a little discombobulated, uh, like discombobulated, vocab word of the day, uh, a little discombobulated in your faith walk, you feel like maybe you're not fitting where you need to be. Maybe it's because your puzzle piece is being jammed into a spot. It doesn't really need to go. Well, Jared said, I have to be in you know, kids are a value and I have to be in kids ministry. No, no, no. I said kids are a value. I never said you had to actually be in kids ministry. You can love their parents. You can be a part of our mentoring program. I bet you, in a couple of years, we're going to find the, the beautiful uh, women's mentoring program that we have here at the church. It is growing, people. It has been an amazing, amazing ministry to watch. That it's going to have a huge impact on our kids' ministry because we're ministering so intensely to the moms and, and women of the church. That, by default, flows down to the next level, right? If you want to love kids, love their parents. If you want to love the parents, love the kids. If you want to love the parents, love their grandparents. Like a, there's a blessing when you got awesome grandparents, right? And so that, that, that blessing just flows and flows and flows.
So though there's, we're all called to be ministers and we all have a perfect fit, and some of us just need to take a little bit of a time, readjust, and flip those pieces around. Oh, that's where that comes. The main idea shift of this is valuing kids means being investors, not consumers. Valuing kids means being investors, not consumers. What do I mean by this? At different stages of our life, different spiritual development points in our life, we come to church. If you're a baby Christian, maybe you come for the very first time, you're like, I don't know who about this Jesus person is, uh, what this whole forgiveness thing is. I just know I'm broken and I need something. If you're there, you are a consumer. And you should be a consumer. I need to consume the worship. I need to consume the teaching. I need to consume the different things that the church does. When you start to, to move past that and grow up a little bit in the faith, I'm not telling you all to grow up, just that as you get deeper into the faith, you start reading the Bible maybe for the first time, you start this whole prayer thing, you start going to life groups, start the relationship with Jesus takes hold in your life, something needs to shift from being a consumer to an investor. If I go to Chick-fil-A, I care about the chicken sandwich. I want it to be fried properly. I want the oil to be changed to like recently. I want my fries to be crispy, not soggy. But I, I care about these things. They're getting a little bit of my money. I want a good experience. Please hold the pickles, and I'll have a nice day. If I bought a Chick-fil-A franchise, that sandwich means a total different thing for me. It, every sandwich, it matters if it's done right. Every sandwich, not just the one you bought, every sandwich matters. It matters if that person says, my pleasure. It matters if my drive-thru goes well. It matters if the snow is plowed appropriately. It matters if we can get people through the lines. It matters, 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 right? Because now I've become a owner, an investor, not Consumer. You see the difference? I can still eat all the sandwiches I want. Probably if I owned a Chick-fil-A, I would gain like 3,000 pounds. But, uh, but, <laughs> just the, but when we become an investor instead of a consumer, it changes the way in which we think. When we do this in the church, that, that really changes the way in which we think and how we value kids. Because now, if I'm a consumer, I need to come and get what I need. But if I'm now an investor... I want everyone to get what they need. And for everyone to get to that need, parents have to be taught uh, and, and, and guided and invested in. Uh, grandparents need to be invested in. Kids need to be invested in because it's the holistic approach of that. Okay, all of it needs to be done well. All the way down to the grass needs to be mowed well. The bathrooms need to be clean. I hope you know this needs to be done, that needs to be done. All these things because it's providing the experience of investing in the next generation. Does that make sense? And that's a, that's a shift that we, we have to kind of examine and think, like, am I just a consumer at church? Because at this time, in this moment, like everybody online right now, really easy to be a consumer of church. It's really easy to watch 15 different messages on Sunday morning if you'd like. Like, oh, well, Jared's a little boring today. Uh, let's go to him. Oh, God, don't, want, don't want to talk about Revelation. You know, whatever you want to do, just keep on going down the YouTube feed. You can find a message that fits you at this moment. You can very easily be a consumer. But if you're invested into sure what you're to God, invested in what God's doing in this community at this time, you go, okay, I'll step through this. Maybe Jared's really stinking it up today. 
was 9.30 messages. Gotta wait for the 11. You know, whatever it is. And then you go, oh, okay, I've got to, I got to do that. But if you're an investor, you're like, okay, how do I apply this so that I can affect the community for Christ? Moving from that is vital, is especially vital to our kids' ministry. Valuing kids means we graduate to developing the next generation. Valuing kids means we graduate, and we have this expectation of graduation. Now, we honored our high school and college grads just a couple weeks ago. Now, I bet you, in this time, it'd be so weird to start college. I'm just going to say, this would be a weird, like, college is supposed to be amazing, and I'm like, woo, go to college. I'm still sitting on my couch. This is really interesting. And, you know, whatever that looks like, or I I can't talk to anybody because they all got cooties. Um, It's like back to junior high all of a sudden. (laughs) But we graduate into a new season. We, when we want to invest in kids, we have to graduate in developing the next generation. Now, I'm going to interchangeably use kids and student ministries. And I apologize for any uh, students that are listening to this message. I'm not devaluing you, and I'm not yelling at you, you crazy kids. It's just how it's coming off my tongue, okay? But when we talk about graduation... Anytime you get close to that senior year or that moment that you're close to graduating, that last semester, maybe that last year, you get that senioritis. You get that, oh, this is not worth my time anymore. Let me out of this place. Because you, hopefully, no one will tell you this, but senioritis is a good thing. And all high school teachers collectively went, Shut up, Jared. But senioritis is a fantastic thing. That because that means you've outgrown your present circumstances. You've like a like a some sort of crustacean that's outgrown its shell. You're like, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to be here anymore. This is not adding value. I I, I don't need because by the time you're a senior in high school, you shouldn't need high school anymore. I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, they instituted this new test in Indiana. That if you could pass it as a sophomore, you had to pass it as before you could be a senior so you could graduate. But you took it the first time as a sophomore. And I looked at my dad and I said, if I pass this as a sophomore, why do I still have to go to high school? He's like, you know how, how, how much work it takes to make my dad speechless? Wait, that's tough. And so you've got this. He's like, I don't know. Because there's this moment, okay, I've learned. I'm ready to graduate. I'm ready to move on. In church world, sometimes we get to that point where we're ready to graduate to the next next phase of our life. We're, we're ready to move from a spiritual child to a spiritual young adult to a spiritual young adult to a spiritual um, parent, and, and just keep on moving up the kind of the, the spiritual development scale. As we, we do that, there's this resistance. There's this moment, and we kind of feel lost. We kind of feel like our puzzle piece is going like this because actually we're ready to graduate. We've got spiritual senioritis. And in this moment, you can easily be tricked into thinking, I need to find a new church. The pastor doesn't feed me anymore. His messages are so lame. He talks forever and ever. But it might be. That it could be. Right? And we think, oh, it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to go. It's time for me to flip to a different YouTube channel. Whatever it may be. And actually, it's time for you to graduate. Now, it's my responsibility to have a place for you to go after you graduate. But it's time for us to transition and move into this, the next phase of our spiritual life. And 
often, when we think about kids' ministry, we have to be willing to graduate, to say, okay, I'm done with high school. I'm 75 years old. It's time for me to graduate into the next phase of my spiritual development. And every time we graduate, there's a new person to invest in. Right? When you graduate junior high, there's a little bit more responsibility. When you graduate high school, there's more responsibility. When you graduate college, there's even more responsibility. And so when we graduate out of these, these uh, spiritual kind of lids that we place on ourselves, there's a time and a moment for us to figure out where our new responsibilities are. And often, and almost always, whatever that is investing in trickles back down to, in this church, affecting kids' ministry affecting the next generation. Because if we're investing in our men's ministry, we're making better fathers, we're making better husbands, we're making better future fathers, better grandpas, better whatever, and that's going to reflect back into our kids. You see how that all funnels back down into our kids. Why? Why am I so laser-focused on making everything go back into our kids? Shouldn't it be uh, evangelism? Shouldn't it be whatever else? No, it needs to be our kids because it's our greatest evangelism tool. It's our greatest discipleship tool. It's our greatest everything tool. Okay? Why? Because the Shema, one of the most important scriptures in the whole of the Bible. You got John 3.16 and you got the Shema. You're good. Okay? Love the Lord your God. With, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. If you've got a Bible, uh, to Deuteronomy 6.4, underline, uh, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There are um, archaeologists that are going back and looking at how societies developed, and they're seeing that Jewish kids, uh, ancient Jewish kids, had a much higher literacy rate. They could all they could read much higher rates than everybody else in the world. Why? This. Because the Jewish people thought, I'm going to take this for what it's worth and say I'm supposed to impress the, the, the Torah, the first five books of the law, onto my children. It's going to be who we are. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to chase them down with this. We're going to continue bringing up the beauty of the commandments in this moment. And if that is this, this call, one of the, the pillars of our faith, to impress this onto our children, then it has to be how we direct our whole discipleship funnels, that we can be who God has called us to be. And you may be thinking, Jared, I don't have kids. You can still minister to people who do. Because your example, like, listen, some of the people who impacted my life the most didn't have children. And these, these moments, like, you're not disqualified ever from this moment. If it's not, you don't, you don't go, oh, well, keep on throwing excuses at me. Like, no, you can still love so-and-so and so-and-so, and, -so, and that's going to develop the next generation. Your experiences, your, your moments, your... Uh, testimony building, if you will, may be the thing that can really speak to a junior high kid or a high school kid or a college kid going through that time. I didn't come from a broken home, but your broken home experience may actually be the thing that helps someone get through the frustrations and the heartbreak of their life at this time. 
So if we're going to intertwine our kids' ministry being so incredibly important, the value is a puzzle piece that connects really, really well to every member as a minister. When we internalize that, when we understand that, when we maybe take the step to graduate in that, we start to see how God has, has wired us and framed us to be amazingly effective wherever we're at. Whether that's in our community, whether that's in our living rooms, whether that's in our cul-de-sac or our place of work or our school. There's opportunities everywhere to value the next generation. Here at the church, we're making some changes in um, this season, this era. Um, one of the things that's broken my heart the most during uh, the COVID time is not necessarily canceling church on Sunday morning. Um, it was weird preaching to an empty, empty room. I'd say that. That was, that was weird. Um, but we overcame those challenges. Thank you, Kevin, for being incredibly gifted in what you do. Uh, but canceling kids' ministry. And see, we don't view kids' ministry as childcare here. It's not daycare for you to drop off so the nuisances are in the back and then we can do real church in here. That's, that's not how we view things. You've been, I've been in churches, I've worked for churches that viewed it that way. That's the main thing probably going on back there. I'm just here to babysit you all so the kids can get the real ministry. All right? So, um, kids' ministry, kids' ministry and, and, and next generation ministries, um, the cessation of those at this time has just been really, and so we're looking through and we're figuring out what, where we go from here. What do we, what do, we do better? Uh, in this moment. So kids ministry has some really unique things getting ready to happen. Family worship guides will be continuing to come out for the next couple weeks. Um, and then when the next series on October 11th kicks off, uh, we're going to do some, some of our teachers are going to come in and we're going to do uh, YouTube lessons. They're going to actually teach the lesson here at the church and we'll have those available for you. So it'll feel a little bit more like your kid transitioning back and being in the room. And if you have elementary kids, they're used to watching a teacher on uh, line right now, right? That's a, that's a normal thing, and so we want to kind of tap into that and, and leverage that the best way we possibly can. Um, then uh, Christmas, we've got some really cool stuff playing, like really, really cool stuff. We're going to start a transition period back. Uh, probably our youngest, our toddlers in preschool age, will have kids' ministry available to them before uh, kind of following the school protocol, the younger, they're starting with the youngers and they'll keep on going up. Um, have that available here at the church before anybody else does. Um, but we're looking at plans for that, trying to figure out how that's going to work. Um, but the, regardless of what it looks like in the building, we're going to have some really, really, really neat stuff for you to take home um, and come by the church and swing by and pick up. You're going to want your neighbors to get, you're going to want your friends to get, you're going to want your, your aunt and them to get, you're going to want all, everybody to get uh, these things. So it's going to be really exciting. More information about that will be coming out. Uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, for our student ministries, um, funny thing, uh, I don't know if you can believe this, but our teenagers got a little tired of being on the computers in classes all the time. They're a little zoomed out, right? So uh, we, we're trying to rehash that, refigure this out. The men's ministry, like I said earlier today, uh, made a fire pit. And so one of the major reasons they did that is so we can have socially uh, responsible um, experiences for our teenagers to come and, and be together and uh, hopefully not throw 
on flame marshmallows at each other. But, um, you know, one can hope. <laughs> so, be together, have a good time, start to build those relationships together again, and, and come back together. Because this, this has been a hard time, it's been a hard season for that. We're also going to be avail- uh, available via Life Group Online uh, with this next series as well for our students. And more information about all that is coming out uh, shortly as well. But there are things in the work. And as we kind of navigate this the best we can, trying to protect and trying to offer guidance and trying to uh, be as responsible as we, we, we can, we also want to be investing in the next uh, generation. Always, always thinking about what does this mean for kids? What does this mean for our students? How do we develop? How do we love? How do we care for? How do we walk with in this time? Our puzzle is incredibly important. And some of us at this time feel like we just don't fit. I'm a giraffe and this is an elephant. What is this? How do I even fit here? And we're kind of waiting for it to make sense and we're waiting for it all to go together. And it just doesn't seem like it does at all. And then eventually, there's a teddy bear in there. We just keep on working at it and working at it and working at it. Some of us, we hit a wall and we just give up on finding a perfect fit. And folks, we have to be infinitely creative because God has not given up on you for your perfect fit. He has crafted you uniquely with a specific gift set and a specific personality that has a beautiful place for you to be. It is our drive, it is our call to live out this Shema, this most important verses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for this time. Lord, I am excited to see what you're going to do in our kids' ministry and our students in this next season. As we come back to or figure out what new normal is, as we launch into that, as we understand that a value of who we are as a church is developing kids, as pouring into them, as showing them Jesus through our lives, through our actions, through our gifting. Got some of us this morning... Something resonated with us today, and we realized that maybe it is time to graduate. Maybe that's where this holy discontent has come from. It's time to take a step. It's time to to make a move in who we are. That we've been sitting on the wayside and on the sidelines for a little bit too long. Or would you urge us to take the next steps, whether that's jumping into Bible reading plans or the the next steps guide online or or volunteering for a ministry or jumping into being a life group leader, whatever that may look like for us, inside or outside of this church. But we ask for your guidance and for your love, for your encouragement. We thank you so much for your forgiveness. We thank you that there's a divine calling on our life, that we are not useless. We are not thrown to the side, that we are all uniquely and beautifully crafted as your special possession. And you've got a calling for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. 
You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.